people have conscious and unconscious bias and they unfortunately will in times treat you differently based off their own preconceived notions. It won't happen all the time, but it tends to happen especially in this environment, right? So it's something that you can at least, if I know that someone that looks like me went there and had a great time, I can at least rule something off to us. Okay, well, you know, someone black went there and it was good versus someone white that was rich or white that was just white went there and it was, it was okay. Welcome, I'm Tanya Fitzpatrick. And I'm Ian Fitzpatrick, and this is World Footprints. That's Lawrence Phillips, founder and CEO of the Green Book Global. Lawrence describes the mission of Green Book Global to inspire and empower black travelers so they can confidently explore the world. And his website has become one of the trusted sources that black travelers rely on, not just for every experience, but to learn about destinations from a safety standpoint, as well as having fun. The Green Book Global is a website that helps make black travel easy. It's meant to inspire and empower black travelers so that they can confidently explore the world. Similar to the original Negro Motorist Green Book, first published in 1936, Green Book Global helps make travel easy and possible for the black traveler, but on a global scale. Lawrence, welcome to World Footprints. Uh, we're here in Oak Bluffs. Uh, at the Oak Bluffs Beach, just uh, a few uh, stones throw from the Inkwell here in Oak Bluffs. Truly one of our favorite places, one of your favorite places I know. We love coming here. Thank you for being with us. No, thanks for having me. I'm glad the timing could work out that we're actually here at the same time, so it makes this even better. Absolutely, absolutely. What is special about Martha's Vineyard, Oak Bluffs, the Inkwell for you? So I think initially the history, just, you know, like as this was part of the Underground Railroad um, and just like this being one of the few places, I think, in the U.S. where, you know, professional, upperly mobile, um, you know, black African-American people can come and socialize and just kind of be a lot of positivity in the air. And in, in a, an environment where it's so negative, you can kind of, this is like, you know, oasis for, for you know, to kind of replenish yourself and pour back in uh, to yourself. I also was married up here, so okay. <laughs> has a special place in my heart too. So I'm from Boston. Um, I actually didn't come up here that much, but my wife did. And so we just kind of continued to come up here more and more and kind of just made sense to get married up here because she loves it. My family is really close by. You know, I enjoy coming up here. So we had an amazing time uh, when we got married in, in 2018. There's always something special about being married on an island, dear, isn't there? You bet. Having been married on an island. <laughs> Which island? Bermuda. Oh, okay. We may renew our vows here on Martha's Vineyard. Oh, awesome. I wanted to ask you about this website, Green Book Global. How did you identify the need for Green Book Global? Yeah, definitely. So it all started long, long time ago. No, no. <laughs> right, a far away galaxy, far, far away. I was watching Star Wars the other day, so that's why it's in my mind. Uh, so no, in 2015, I, uh, I quit my job to travel around the world. So I was working at Accenture, I did it for almost nine or 10 years, and I was traveling back and forth between Atlanta and San Diego. So it was a great project, I got promoted on the project, but I was doing that commute every week. And so when I came back on like a Thursday or Friday, I was just a really angry black man because I had to take that red eye. And then I'm just like, okay, I gotta wash clothes, I gotta get ready to do it again on Monday. 
so although it was really good, I got burnt out. And, I was, and from a mental health standpoint, I was like, you know what? I need a break. So I was like, I love traveling. I'm gonna travel. And so me and my buddy, we did a lot of traveling before. He was my college roommate. We both were kind of on the same page. And so Delta had a around the world ticket um, where you can use your points to buy it. And it was expiring like in six months. And so the timing of me kind of burning out and the timing of when it expired, we're like, you know what? Let's just do it. So we did, we kind of split up in between it, but I traveled for about 10 months and I did 30 countries and all seven continents, including Antarctica in less than a year. So pretty expensive, um, but it was well worth it. No regrets there, but that's where I noticed uh, a couple of things. One, it just takes a really long time to plan for each destination. But then two, as a black traveler, that's where I got nervous. Like, oh, I don't know if I should go here because um, I'm not really sure like how it would be well received, how would they take my blackness. And so that was kind of where that need started coming from, where I couldn't find a platform that could provide me that information. And so me having that tech background, I eventually started building it while we were traveling. It just kind of evolved year after year to what it is right now. You named your website after the original Green Book. Yes, the original Negro Modus Green Book, yes. So that name actually took a bit. So I'll be honest, right? So initially I was marketing to young professionals and I used to call it We Work to Travel because I was like, okay, let me try to find a demographic that's unique. But then I just, I, I mean, I'm black, I speak black, I love black, I talk black, I just, I'm just black. So <laughs> I was just attracting more and more black people to be followers, to be part of the, the platform. So I was like, well, let me just double down and just keep it what I wanted to be anyways. And so that's where I kind of renamed it as Green Book Global. So paying homage to the original Negro Motors Green Book, Victor Hugo Green was a postman uh, back in the 1930s that started the, the travel guide for black travelers that essentially helped them during Jim Crow and segregation to navigate, you know, really the U.S. safely to find like restaurants, hotels, gas stations that would serve them, also to help them avoid towns, sundown towns, where there could be, you know, dangerous things could happen to a black person at night when the sun goes down. So we definitely wanted to pay homage to that, but we do things a little bit differently where instead of just like a listing of different like, you know, restaurants and hotels, we actually are a review site. So we let black travelers review their experiences and recommend, you know, things to do, but also what their traveling while black experience actually is. What was your intention behind doing Green Book Global? It's a good question. It was just to make life easier for people that would be in the same position I was in uh, when I was traveling. So I'll give a good example. So part of that trip, I was in Paris and I went to a hostel and I was talking to a young black woman there and mentioned that chocolate. I love chocolate. And she's like, oh, you should go to, you should go to Belgium. And I was like, whoa. At that point, I never even heard of Belgium. I'm like, what's a Belgium? <laughs> um, and she's like, oh, it's a place where if you love chocolate, that'd be a really great place to go. I was like, uh, is it safe for black people there? And she gave me the cosign that said it was safe for black people. And that's when I was like, okay, I'll go. And so the next day I actually went to Brussels and I spent about a few days there just eating tons of chocolate, which was great. Um, but I needed that kind of confirmation from another person that looked like me. And so that was the intent. When you have that need um, and you don't have a person that you can contact, what do you do? You, you may not go. I wouldn't have gone if I didn't see, run into her. I'd be like, no, I'm only going to places I know. But if you don't have a person that can give you a personal recommendation or a reference, you know, we want to be that platform that allows you to do so. And then also, even if you have one person, right, we give you plenty. We give you hundreds of thousands of black people that have been to these places. So you can kind of assess your own from your own perspective, your own views of what their experiences were, and then decide upon yourself to, to either take that journey or not. Really, information is safety, and we want to give you the information. When did you start Green Book Global, and how many different iterations of the website did you go through? So started, the idea started in 2015. 
it got it crashed so many different times it got rebuilt so many different times so 2018 is what the version of the website that you see right now is um, so currently we have over probably like 5500 travel tips from black travelers from all over the world um, for probably about four to five hundred destinations uh, so some of them have like upwards of 200 reviews for certain cities and, and islands um, in the world I noticed that there was no entry for Martha's Vineyard there wasn't yes <laughs> So there are some cities that I don't put on there because sometimes I try to make partnerships there. But Martha's Vineyard is something that's on the list. So I actually am doing some content that I did a, a lobster crawl last time I was here. So I want to post that and maybe add a Martha's Vineyard listing and see what I can do to get more kind of publicity for it from a black perspective on, on the platform. So explain how Green Book Global works uh, in terms of how a, a contributor or someone who leaves a review and how you bring together this community around travel. You've got suppliers represented as well. Give us a sense of how it works. Yeah, definitely. So the mission of Green Book Global is to inspire and empower black travelers to confidently explore the world. So the inspiration comes from our Instagram page where we have over 100,000 followers on IG and we repost black travelers showing, hey, we're everywhere, don't be nervous, get out there. The empowerment comes from the platform itself, which is where we have the reviews. So what you can do, you can find review, you can type in. So we have a couple ways you can do it. If you know where you want to go, you can type in the city. You want to go to Bali, you want to go to Austin, Texas, you want to go to Okinawa, Japan. You can type it in and there's typically a listing there for some of the most popular cities. And you will, that city will come back. And what we do differently is we score them on a destination level. So each city has a category and a score for like things to do, adventure, romance, relaxation, affordability, history, nightlife local food and traveling while black. So each of these have a five-star score that users leave reviews for. So once you finish your trip, well actually if you're going on your trip, you read all these reviews and you can see it by different categories, you know, which ones may be more applicable to you. So if I'm going with my wife, I might look for more of a romantic. So I'm like under romance section, I want to see like what's out there. Relaxing, she, she need to relax. <laughs> you know, local food, she likes to eat. So, and I like to eat too. So you can actually find the comments there and then that's how you can find the information. What we also do is to kind of give more an incentive is we started a passport membership. And what this is, is kind of an elevated membership. So if you leave reviews on the platform and you're a passport member, you actually can earn cash. And so that's something that's different from like all the other review sites out there, like Yelp and TripAdvisor, those are great. But we're like, you know, people leave reviews on those platforms. They make, those companies make a ton of money off those reviews and you know, the user really doesn't get anything back other than a badge, right? So we're like, you know what, you know, why not share the wealth? So you can actually earn cash for leaving reviews on our website. And on top of that, like you said, we have suppliers. So the next step after you read reviews is you want to book. So we have suppliers like Expedia, Booking.com, even TripAdvisor on there as well. So once you read reviews, you get comfortable with the destination. Here in the black perspective, you can then book from our platform. So you actually will start the booking with Expedia on our platform, start the booking with Booking.com on our platform, and we take you to that platform, to that to their own website where you kind of finish your, um, your checkout experience. But we get a commission that way. And if you're a passport member, you actually share that commission with you. So it's a way that you can literally do exactly what you're doing right now. Use Expedia, Booking.com, even Marriott, and earn cash. And there's no other way you can do that right now. Wow. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and, and speaking of these reviews, what are the guidelines for the reviews? Are you looking specifically for certain things that uh, speak to the African-American traveler when they travel to particular destinations? What sorts of basic guidelines do you have for reviews that are uh, basically uh, contributed by travelers? Yeah, so we have an FAQ section that actually outlines how you should score each category. 
Um, so, for example, Traveling Wild Black, if you had like an amazing time, it feels like what kind of became real all of a sudden, right? You give it a five-star scale, a five-star rating. But if it was something that was, you know, experienced racism, um, you know, just problems maybe with the police or something like that, then you kind of would rate it on that level like a one-star. So we give them that flexibility, um, but the idea is for them just to be their authentic self. So I don't want you to hide anything. I want it just to be completely authentic. We have to personally kind of approve each review too. So if we see like a one-liner that's not really that valuable, we won't approve it. Um, so that's why we kind of monitor the value and the kind of the elements of the reviews that are put on the platform because each one, I literally go to, to go through at least myself right now to make sure, okay, this is what we want to be on the platform. There are other review sites, we know which ones they are, and many of them have planted reviews uh, from competitors who are trying to disparage a website by planting negative reviews, and from the organizations or companies themselves who plant uh, uh, positive reviews in order to build up their, their ratings. So how do you try to avoid that type of manipulation, and how do you actually vet uh, new entries that you receive, new reviews that you, you receive. Yeah, so what's interesting is the, the way we've organized the platform, we really don't run into that problem because the goal isn't to review a specific hotel or a specific activity, it's to review your overall experience in a destination. And so we have a, like a where to stay section where you might actually talk about where to stay and how it was, but you're not reviewing them, you're reviewing how was it in general to stay in Martha's Vineyard, right? Or how was it in general was the food in Martha's Vineyard? And then if you want to call it a specific restaurant, then it's up to that person to do some additional research. But that way we don't get into the kind of the problem of like, you know, someone talking good about this restaurant, bad about this restaurant and trying to compete because you're really giving an overall view of a destination. So we kind of are able to not even have to necessarily have that as a problem. Safety and comfort is an important consideration to all travelers, but especially for people to color in. You know, we've had an experience too where we've traveled to destinations and, and we've read reviews and we've seen some unpleasant things about them and that did uh, determine whether or not we stayed at a particular place. So in terms of people who are not familiar with this important need specifically in our community, talk about that. Why is it important, you think, to uh, travelers, especially travelers of color and conscience, as I like to say, that they have this information. Because personally, I don't like to spend my money with organizations and uh, businesses that don't welcome me. Absolutely. So we actually got featured in Travel Noir uh, this past week. And one of the, thank you, thank you. Uh, and one of the things that I mentioned in that interview is that one of the questions was like, you know, why do you need something more than TripAdvisor? Right, and it's because reviews don't reflect your demographic. Um, so people have conscious and unconscious bias and they unfortunately will, in times, treat you differently based off their own preconceived notions. It won't happen all the time, but it tends to happen, especially in this environment, right? So it's something that you can at least, if I know that someone that looks like me went there and had a great time, I can at least rule something off this, okay, well, you know, someone black went there and it was good versus someone white that was rich or white that was just white went there and it was, it was okay. So it kind of just alleviates some of the concerns that you can maybe run into because you want to travel and have a great time. That's the ultimate goal. And so we're making sure that black travelers can enjoy their time just like any other demographic wants to enjoy their time. What we also do as well um, is we also have a search tool that helps you find destinations based off those 
uh, scores. So if you think about the Green Book, the original Green Book, right, in, in the 1930s, is that it really helped you navigate certain towns based off of, you know, if it was safe or not. So we can kind of do the same thing with our Travel Mall Black score, but again, it's kind of a modern twist. So again, it's a five-star scale, so I can say, I can pick Europe, and I can say I want a destination that's a 4.8 out of five for Travel Mall Black. And that would be the top rated destinations for Travel Mall Black in Europe. Or you can say, I am going to some places, let me kind of rule out a lot of these places. Anything less than a four, I don't want to go to. So you can kind of identify different cities based off that Travel Mall Black score and that tool as well. Again, trying to make sure you have a great time when you're you know, enjoying your vacation or going on a trip. You're listening to the award-winning World Footprints podcast with Ian and Tanya Fitzpatrick. World Footprints connects you to the world through powerful storytelling that illuminates our common humanity and uncovers the full narrative of our cultural and human experiences. Support World Footprints by leaving a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast platform. This will help other like-minded and interested travelers find us. Also, please join the World Footprints community by subscribing to our newsletter from worldfootprints.com. Lawrence, uh, you previously mentioned sundown towns. You gave a brief history about them. Talk about how you incorporated that type of warning into your Green Book Global site. Yeah, so sundown towns are essentially towns I would say from the 1930s, but <laughs> I'm kind of like, uh, they're still kind of relevant right now, unfortunately. But there were towns where, you know, black people weren't safe necessarily when it got to be at night. So they might go there for work, but the town said you have to get out by the end of the night or you're not wanted here and, you know, bad things can happen. Sundown towns were also places where it was just, um, where they were made white on purpose. So they purposely would just drive out black people to the point where it was just a very white town. And again, that was very much intentional. So, because I think sometimes sometimes sundown towns can get kind of misconstrued because there's one where it's dangerous, right? And that's something that, like Vidor, Texas, like I'll talk about that one maybe in a second, but where it could be potentially dangerous, but also it's just white historically because they decided that black people weren't welcome there. And so those are kind of two different, I guess you say segments of sundown towns so on, on a high level. These are people in the service industry though, right? Right, yeah, if they would come there. So like the Vidor, Texas one, um, this guy, he was riding the truck and I think he was delivering something, the service industry, and the guy's like, hey, you should probably get out of here before it gets too late. And this is like two months ago. Um, yeah, this wasn't a while ago, this was like two months ago. And so I actually have, I started, because of that, I started actually putting sundown towns on the platform and also doing more research about sundown towns and doing more articles about them because Again, I mean, obviously I was a little naive. I was like, oh no, they can't still be sundown towns here. And oh, they can't be that relevant. And unfortunately that's not necessarily the case. Mm. That is, I'm, I'm sure it would shock listeners, some listeners to know that in this day and age, we still have that and that there are places that are actually pushing themselves out to the world as you can't come here because of your skin color. It's just, it's just an, an offensive notion, as offensive as it used to be and still is to this day. I, I, I just can't wrap my head around that. Right. Been raised to the surface. So there's even one, this one isn't a sundown town per se, but it's a restaurant that I got wind of in Georgia. Uh, and this is the crazy thing too, a lot of these places are like 45 minutes from the main city. So it's not even like it's like, you know, somewhere in the middle of nowhere. It's like, oh, you could literally drive through this place. 
but there's a restaurant, I forget the name, I don't even want to give the, the restaurant even publicity if I remember the name anyways, but it literally had, and I did some research on it, I saw it, it had a black, two, I think two black people on the restaurant uh, menu with um, being lynched. It literally, yes, they, 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 they had them with the rope, the noose around their neck, like, on the restaurant cover like and this this restaurant is still in operation today like right now you could go there 45 minutes from atlanta um it had all these confederate flags it had all like kkk hood like it had a lot of stuff in these restaurants in this particular restaurant and that's just when i got wind of right so again you just you start to hear and see more of this you're like this is really why it's necessary because we have to be safe when we when we travel because the people that go there you might be interacting with. So you at least want to make sure, oh shoot, if I know I'm in this area, let me be a little bit more careful. Maybe nothing will happen, but you want to make sure nothing happens. Lawrence, you mentioned at the outset you grew up in Boston and you've become a world traveler. Give us a sense of your educational background and whether or not you traveled a lot as a, as a kid and how that travel bug bit you. Yeah, so my family's from Barbados. So every once in a while you might hear a Bayesian accent come out from time to time. Um, so I used to go back and forth between Barbados and Boston a lot. Um, so that was a lot of my travel. And then once um, I went to high school in Boston, I went to college at Georgia Tech in Atlanta. And so me and my college roommate, we both had a passion for travel. So like, I think my first trip like outside of Barbados that I can remember, like it was like, oh, I'm a young adult. I did a cruise to the Bahamas um, for like three days, had my own room. I was feeling like I was like on top of the world. I was like, yes, I'm traveling. <laughs> Uh, but then we started going like to Costa Rica and started going to like different parts of South America and Central America. So it really started when I was younger. Uh, but I also will say that's part of this program called Summer Search. And I honestly, I, I love this program because it changed my life, literally. Uh, but it, it takes kind of, I'll put it simply, at-risk kids. We're like, we were inner city kids. Um, and it's like, hey, we want to explore you, expose you to the outdoors. So I actually did a trip to Washington State when I was like 14. And I traveled, I hiked for like a month straight. Remember, I'm a city boy. I, I don't hike. I ain't never hiked a day in my life. I'm a city boy. I, I like concrete. <laughs> but I was in the woods for a, literally a month. And so that really kind of got my confidence up and, and kind of really helped me develop. It's like, oh, I'm a, I'm a man. I can do this. If I can, if I can hang out in the woods, you know, I can do college. I can do school. So it really gave me that booster of, of confidence. Would you say that's probably your most transformative travel experience to date? I would say it's one of them. Um, because I think as a young man, that really made me hone in to confidence. And I think as a young black man growing up in Boston and all the things you hear about what you can and cannot be, I think that just said, I don't, that's, that doesn't apply to me because look what I just did. I just hiked 90 plus miles with a hundred pound backpack uh, and I got, you know, I cooked blueberries after I picked them off the, the trail that we did one day and it actually tasted good. I, I got us lost by a raging river so I, it kind of humbled me too, yeah. you know? So it was a lot of different life lessons that I got really condensed in that one month. And then the great thing about that program, it makes you kind of like write about your experience. And so it made me kind of pick apart what that really was like. And so I made sure I got all the value out of that experience. So I would say that's definitely one of the most transformative. And I would say my around the world trip would be another one too, um, because that was me choosing myself over a job. It was choosing me to be mentally happy despite what the circumstances might be, you know, when I come back. Ooh, repeat that again, because I, I certainly want to hear it, and I think many of our audience members would want to hear that also. Probably, I could never say whatever I said twice again, but I'll try. <laughs> you chose you. Yeah, I chose me. 
Yeah. I chose me. And I think that's the part where, and that's what I was kind of going back and forth with. It's like, oh, should I do it? Like, I have a job. I have a girlfriend who's now my wife, so it still worked out. Um, you know, I have all this responsibility. I have a house. I got a mortgage. But, like, I'm tired. Like, I'm really tired, and I feel like this is going to be for me, and I think I need this for myself. And so I swallowed it, and I was like, I'm going to choose me and see what happens. Excellent. Excellent. Without beating a dead horse too much, uh, but again, you, you know, we travel for a living. It's, it, we've incorporated in, it into our work and our lifestyle. Why do you travel, and why is it important to you beyond just what you're doing entrepreneurially? So travel, I think, makes you aware of other cultures, of other people, and it makes you more of a, a global citizen, I would say. So, what was it? I, so I remember I talked about that story in Brussels, right? I think they had a bomb in there um, maybe a few years ago. And so to me, like, that meant a lot more because I was actually in Brussels. I remember, like, I had a guy that took me on a bar crawl, and I was like, oh, I, I texted him to say, hey, how is everything going? So when you travel and you've been to places, when anything happens, you have a, better, a more authentic connection. So you actually legitimately are concerned versus just kind of, you know, going switching to the next channel, right? So I think not only does it help me pour back into myself, but it also makes me care more about other people. You know, I always say you never go to war with the people you break bread with. So, you know, really that's what travel does. It builds a bridge uh, that really brings together and, and fills in the cultural gap. It allows people to cross over other cultures and, and really experience them with hopefully an open mindset and open eyes, open hearts. But it really shows us that we're all interconnected. In all your travels, is there a country that has really touched you, one that's really resonated with you? I call that your soul country. Ooh, my soul country. Ooh, okay, that's a new one. I'm actually going to trademark that one. There you one. go, my soul country. Uh. Huh. So I always say this one, but I think I, I never really thought about it as my soul country, but it might be my soul country. Okay. So I would say Johannesburg. Oh, South Africa. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So the reason why is because I went to South Africa twice so far. The very first time I went to jo Joburg too and I went on a safari. But when I was in Johannesburg, I was, I was shook. I was freaking out. I was like, oh my gosh, I can't be in Joburg. It's, it's dangerous. I can't do anything. I went to Santin Mall and came back home and that was it. Because I was so nervous about what the media told me to do right. or told me about the destination. So I'm doing literally what I tell people not to do. But at that point, I was like, I mean, what am I supposed to do? Like, this is all I can hear. But so when I went back on that around the world trip, I spent about two weeks in Johannesburg. And I got such a great connection with some of the people there. It was absolutely amazing. And I always tell this story where I think I was on the plane headed to Johannesburg. I, I think I did a Facebook message and said, hey, I'm going to Joburg. And one of my, even like, he's not even a friend. It's just someone that I knew I ran into said, hey, I got some people out there that you can meet. Okay, cool. Met the people at the bar. We hung out to like two or three o'clock in the morning. It was, and it was guys and some women, girls too. And then when we left, um, the guys, one of the guys was like, listen, text me when you get home. And I was like, bro, I just met you. Like, I, I'm not even like cool with you like that. Like, what you mean text me like when I, when I get home? I'm not, a, I'm not a woman. Like, I just, what's going on here? Lawrence. Yeah. And I'm just like, no, like, I don't, I'm good. And he's like, no, 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 you're in my town, right? I, I'm looking out for you. I want to make sure that you are good. And so this is how we do in Johannesburg. And I was like, oh, wow, wow. And that really hit me because another man showing that love to another man that you barely even know, 
it just kind of shook my reality. And I was like, wow, okay. Let me, let me look at things a little differently now. And so that was kind of the shift. That's why I say it was my, my soul country. Yeah. So if you were to pick anyone, past or present, to sit next to on a long haul flight to your soul country, who would that be and why? Oh, you just added some layers to it. It could be anybody, past or present. Uh, I mean, what's top of mind because of Martha's Vineyard, and you said anybody, I'll, I'll go. I'll go with Barack, man. <laughs> Shoot, yeah. If I can sit next to Barack as we go to South Africa, yeah. I, I mean, because one, I've been there a couple times. I don't know if he's been, but I can, I can tell him a little thing about, a little thing or two about it. But I think it would just be interesting to be on that long haul flight and to kind of, kind of, kind of not pick his brain, but just kind of, kind of break bread with him, just to understand more about who he is, because we kind of can see who he is on the limelight, but like who he really is, right? So I feel like those types of conversations are more authentic and real. So I, I would look forward. A conversation like that. So Barack, if you're listening. <laughs> he is. He follows. I know you somewhere in Martha's Vineyard, brother. <laughs> we won't say where. But. Right. <laughs> oh, Lawrence, I'm so glad we were able to talk to you. It, you know, look, one of our favorite places, that water is calling my toes right now because it's a little bit hot and I need to cool down. I know we all do. Uh, but we're, we thank you so much for, for spending this time with us here. No, thank you so much for having me. It was a great Great opportunity just to get in, to see you in Marcus Vineyard, to connect again. Like you said, breaking bread with you. And so I love it. Well, first, Dare, you know, I'm so happy that um, we can be in one of our happy places here on Martha's Vineyard and connect with a friend who we recently saw in Miami, uh, but to talk about the importance of having a, 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 a mechanism, a platform for the black traveler to go. And, you know, it's funny that we're here in Martha's Vineyard during a month when the uh, island uh, has a lot of uh, black travelers from around the world really come in for various events from the African American Film Festival to the uh, Fraternity Week, um, you know, to a lot of just different um, events for people like us. Yeah, African Americans feel comfortable in Martha's Vineyard and that's one reason why they come and as Lawrence had to refer to sundown towns, unfortunately they still exist. This is one place where African Americans do come, spend their money, and make a significant impact. If it weren't for African Americans coming here, owning properties, Martha's Vineyard would be an entirely different place and it would have an entirely different vibe. Mm -hmm. I wonder if there are any sundown towns here. We didn't ask him that, so be worth looking into. Yeah, we'll, we'll explore that later, uh, I'm, I'm certain, because I, Lawrence has, is such a powerful person in this space and he's doing right. a lot of interesting things. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's uh, good information. It's certainly a place uh, or a website we could have used when we did a camping trip um, a few years ago in Virginia and, was, you know, came upon a campground that I really wanted to stay at because it was waterfront, first of all, uh, but it was very uncomfortable when we saw certain flags, Confederate flags flying um, and flying, you know, without any type of limitation. So I know this, that was a particular campground that allowed that type of 
uh, negative Im imagery to be seen, whereas where we stayed, it was barred. That yeah. type of you know negative stuff yeah. was barred. So sadly, you kind of appreciate why we need Green Book Global, yeah. even even in, in this day and age. Yeah, for sure. In closing, let's consider the powerful words of Mae West. You only live once, but if you do it right, once is enough. We're Tanya and Ian Fitzpatrick, and we're so happy that you're here. It would mean a lot if you could leave us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'd love for you to join our community, so please subscribe to our bi-weekly newsletter from our website at worldfootprints.com. Our newsletter is full of travel news, tips, and resources, including our favorite links. Thank you so much for your support and for giving us the space to share the world through the stories we offer on World Footprints. Until next time, remember, a smile is a universal sign of kindness. So don't be shy. Smile. This World Footprints podcast with Ian and Tonya Fitzpatrick is a production of World Footprints, LLC, Silver Spring, Maryland. The multi-award winning podcast is available on worldfootprints.com and on audio platforms worldwide, including iHeartRadio, Public Radio Exchange, iTunes and Stitcher. Connect with the world one story at a time with World Footprints. Visit worldfootprints.com to enjoy more podcasts and explore hundreds of articles from international travel writers. And be sure to subscribe to the newsletter. World Footprints is a trademark of World Footprints LLC, which retains all rights to the World Footprints portfolio, including worldfootprints.com and this podcast.